Welcome back to Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast with Yang Yang energy. Uh, I'm Nate, and my Tao type is water. I'm Remy, and my Tao type is lip smack. All right, Remy, it's good to be back. Uh, I know that you did a solo episode without me, and I gotta say, uh, I listened to my own podcast without me, and it was good. Wow, wow! Don't uh, <laughs> don't let that. Don't let that affect you. <laughs> don't don't think about that too hard. You're finally back. You tripped, and now you are back. It's true. Uh, I have I have gone to the reaches of the Far East, and I have seen things that you would not believe. You know what I did while you were uh, gallivanting across the world, having a good time? What'd you do? I fucking sat on my ass and I watched anime. Oh no. Uh, that yeah. is the worst thing you could have done. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, motherfucker. You could have taken me with you, but it said I just sat here and I watched a bunch of anime. Yeah, I'm real fucking sorry I didn't take you with me on my honeymoon. <laughs> okay, well, for the next one, I'm definitely coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, before we get into the stories of, of my travels, uh, what anime have you been watching? You know, I read some anime, I watched some anime, I got into a bunch of different stuff. Recently, there was an uh, announcement about uh, Ragna Crimson anime, and I got kind of curious because I'd read the first chapter of that a while back, and I didn't really like it very much, uh, even though I liked the premise. But I went back and I gave it a shot because uh, apparently now the, uh, the first big chunk of the story had been just wrapped up. What's the, uh, what's the two-line pitch for that one? So... This one's a little difficult. Like we've talked before about how pre like premises get abandoned like very quickly in a lot of manga. Like this is kind of one of those. I mean, the the premise is basically to sell the the first book, and then you can yeah. do whatever you want after you. Well, have a this one base. is, and this one the the author notes make it very explicit that the author's like, oh, I was totally winging it this entire time. Like this is pure improv theater, which I was like, yeah, of course it is. I, I, that's the energy it has. But Ragna Crimson is about a world filled with dragons. We start the story with a pair of dragon hunters. There's uh, a boy named Ragna. And he's a big coward. He's a big, weak coward baby um, who follows around this, like, 12-year-old genius dragon hunting prodigy. And he basically is, like, her moral support and her butler and all this, her cook, everything rolled up into one. And uh, that's the way he likes it. He loves, he loves being support man. So he just follows around this like genius uh, dragon slayer who uh, just obliterates everything in her path until one day he has a really spooky dream where his future self comes and tells him, oh, in three days, something really bad is going to happen and the little girl is going to get killed and your whole life is going to take a terrible turn. And he's like, uh oh, that's real bad. And uh, the three days pass, and he's, like, really upset about this, right? Because, you know, he he, lo he loves his little 12-year-old genius hunter girl mm -hmm. that he is completely subservient to. And the day finally comes, and shit goes wild. Dragons uh, that are more powerful than they'd ever seen before show up, and they start killing everybody in sight. Some kind of Drake apocalypse. Sort of, yeah. You know, he's he, right in the height of his full-on, like, spiral into despair, uh, his future self appears to him and says, Listen, take all of my future power. I'm giving it to you and you can save her life. And he's like, give me the power. I'll take the power. And he takes all of the accumulated power he gained 
uh, in this alternate future, living for nothing but killing dragons for... It's an unclear amount of years. He looks pretty old, maybe like 40, 50 years. Uh, and he becomes a super awesome one-hit kill motherfucker, badass dragon hunting uh, machine. Uh-huh. Like, One Punch Man's everything in sight. So he wipes out hundreds of dragons, The you know, the, their, their dragon liege. He wipes out an entire dragon forest that has walked up to the city gates for some reason. And then... Uh, he turns to the the genius dragon hunting girl who he has assured us over and over again is basically the reason for his existence and the reason he has this entire uh, future power uh, connection. He, uh, all of this is stemming from his, his terrible loss of her, right? And uh, he says, you're not strong enough to fight dragons with me. Peace the fuck out. And he just dips. <laughs> he fucking dips, man. <laughs> And uh, fucking king shit. It's no, it sucks. It sucks. (laughs) He like immediately goes like, I can't, I can't do this with you, girl. Like I am fucking gone. And she's like, what? What the fuck, dude? We, I thought we were a team. And he's like, you're not even on my, you're not even on the bottom floor of my level. I'm like way up here, and you are way down here. I can't even see you anymore, girl. I'm out. Outsies. Bye bye. And so he immediately tattles off. And that could be like, okay, I don't like that choice, but whatever. But he immediately runs and finds a different partner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which drives me crazy. And there's lots of hijinks ensue. Uh, oh, hold on, let me, let me into... ask you this. Is is he like supposed to be the, like, the protagonist? Like we are supposed to be rooting for these decisions and like agreeing with him? He, well, he is the protagonist, yeah. He's supposed to be a tragic hero type. And th- this is supposedly billed as a dark fantasy, even though tonally, among all other elements of this story, it is all over the place. We start off as, like, a big gag right off the start, and then lots of, like, murder and destruction, uh, and then big gags, and then, like, sort of some edgelord shit and then we settle into sort of like more of a traditional shonen for a while and then there's some more edgelord shit and then back to the gags it's all over the place not only that but it is very it starts off with you know people are wielding swords silver swords by the way because these dragons are actually dracula dragons they uh, they can only come out at night and they're weak to silver <laughs> it's really weird um so there's that aspect of it turns out a lot of the dragons aren't even dragons they're like people shaped dragons so they're actually just people Oh, okay. Um, they're they're you know sexy dragons. Yeah, basically the the big dragony dragon thing kind of fades into the distance uh, pretty quickly. Also, we start off in like medieval Europe, but it's quickly established that uh, actually there's like guns and stuff. Uh, it's more like the twenties, and then as soon as we establish that it's more like the the nineteen twenties, we quickly move on to the fact that uh, actually this is like a future world. They're only using like swords and armor because like that's what's you know useful against dragons Mm -hmm. so we go all over the place and again like i said this is all clearly like in the moment improv shit i like the Um, implication just to go back a little bit that like oh uh even though we're a futuristic society like we we just found that swords and armor is the best uh is the best way to fight dragons (laughs) it yes it is it is definitely function follows form yeah 
but that's that's every aspect of this story i mean it just it just ramps up in the silliness like that we just travel back and forth between tonalities and and different uh shonen styles and like i said varying levels of edgelordiness because they really try to play up some tragic aspects of it uh but every every time they do that it's always undercut by some stupid goofy shit that comes like uh there's there's all this stuff about how he he's like such a tragic hero because his future self like watches all of humanity fall and he has nothing but his lonely insanity to push him forward into becoming the strongest human ever but then we just get like goofy shit like there's a slime mascot character and he turns into a little boy with a sailor suit and like has a funny accent and shit it's like it's just ridiculous there's some stuff i i actually really like about it every once in a while i think it kind of sparkles with some like good goofy imaginative things but it is so inconsistent in every aspect that i just like could not could not deal with it and then again like i said it kind of doesn't really know what to do with itself so it hits the end the traditional end of its story very early on um and then just decides to keep going um, so it just goes, uh, we're going to do a hard world reset. Actually, here's all the lore that we didn't tell you at the beginning. So what you think you know about the world isn't true. Uh, actually, there's all this other stuff that uh, we just neglected to mention. So, so there will be more story. Don't worry about that. I mean, I assume that is why most uh, authors like uh, plot out and plan their stories. You know, you would think that that would help. Yeah, in most scenarios. But, you know, a lot of stories, I, I, if you gave me more time to think, I could probably come up with a bunch of examples of this happening over and over again. Uh, you know, this Shonen Space stuff. Uh, improv is uh, more common than you would assume. Oh, no, I, I assume uh, that most of them, after a certain point, are, are just making shit up as they go. Some stories are really tight, uh, and some stories are just straight-up improv theater. And this is full-on shonen improv theater how would you peg something like uh something really long-standing like one piece like i'm assuming that there is very little planning overall that oda does into that but maybe i'm wrong maybe it is in fact building to some oh, grand intricate tapestry Oh, the One Piece fans would fucking maul you for that shit. It just, oh it seems God. so easy to make up as you go. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm bored of this island. We're going to move on to the next one. And it's a different thing. One Piece fans favorite thing is that, uh, you know, some background element uh, dropped in like chapter 100 comes back in chapter 700 and becomes extremely important that is their favorite thing and oda does it all the time so <laughs> that is something that you can only do if you are extraordinarily gifted at improv and i think oda is uh he is able to keep a lot of things in his brain at once but he's also working against uh, a, a very very well-defined structure you know if we're just talking about improv he's he's like uh he's from the del close family he's playing he has a game and he's playing it you know what i mean <laughs> like that's the point of the islands is that while he is improving everything he is also structuring it around a form he's putting meat on the bone you know what i mean uh, I, I i see what you're saying i see what you're saying but uh, i still you know i just want to say uh one piece fans out there don't go chasing waterfalls you you cannot i need to stop i'm gonna muzzle you every time you bring up one piece because you cannot do this dude you have unless you read at least 200 chapters i am gonna stop you from talking what is about this one gatekeeping piece. bullshit 
I'm sorry, you cannot do it. You do not know what you're talking about, man. As um, actually, as... actually, what's your favorite One Piece boat? Like, you have to name uh, five before you're a real fan. I think it's the Sunny. <laughs> That's my favorite One Piece boat. <laughs> Look, man. If it wasn't the single most popular fictional piece of entertainment uh, the world has ever seen, I would maybe let it go by. But uh, well, it is One Piece, so... Um, I will have to slap you down a little bit. All right, all right. I'll back off for now. Ragna Crimson is no one piece. It would be remiss to even uh, make the comparison. I, I think Ragna Crimson is has some good elements in it, um, but it is, it is small time shit. It is uh, empty calories. Um, but that's not the only thing I read slash watched. I did read something that I actually fucking really loved. Well, there's a few things. I, I did start reading 20th Century Boys by Urasawa Naoki, which is a classic monster level masterpiece. Um, but I'll, we'll talk about that maybe after I've finished it. Uh, I have not. I've not read that. I've heard a lot about it over the years. Uh, I'm assuming just uh, from your little blurb there that I probably should read it at some point. Yes, you should. <laughs> blurb. Uh, you should probably. You should probably at some point get around to reading the greatest manga ever written. I. I think so. I, maybe. <laughs> maybe put some time aside to like work through the canon just at, you know when you feel like it the 20th century boys is i'm not even done with it yet but it is a uh shoe in for the the manga canon okay all right but 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 i won't talk i i really got to finish reading it before i talk more about it because uh, who knows maybe the last little chunk of it just sucks shit i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to embarrass myself i don't think it will but uh you never know uh, what i read uh, and this is something that's pretty new and and uh early in its run so i think maybe uh you know if this if this tickles you you could get in early right mm-hmm. uh this is i read uh, a new uh, series by the author of uh, Yureto uh, Nogizaka Taro, and I don't know if I I mentioned Yureto before. I don't think so. Yureto is a story about a very dashing detective boy and his uh, his gang pressed, unwilling uh, sidekick partner um, solving these uh, mysteries in in sort of mid century early to mid-century Japan, Mm -hmm. um, all surrounding this murder, uh, that took place on this clock tower. It's, it's incredible. The art is absolutely fantastic. It plays, uh, with all these different things, the, the contrast between like new and old Japan, the, the clash of those two things and representing that in like some gender play, some kind of conservative aspects of Japanese society clashing murderously with like new emerging westernized Japan. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that it was um, that it was mid-century. It's like uh, 1950s, like post-World War II. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's all those, it's those things clashing and they're all metaphorized in these really interesting, uh, almost kind of like uh, horror detective comic uh, aspects to it. It's really, really smart. It's really weird it's unlike anything you've ever read before, I assure you. It is uh, 100% Stone Cold Classic. It's fantastic. That author started a new story called Natsume Arata no Kekan. Uh, Arata Natsume is getting married, I-, I think. Natsume is getting married. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, no, keep trying until you, you get it right. Y- you look it up. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, this is really great. Obviously, I, since I already liked their previous work, I'm biased here. But again, the artwork is really fantastic. This is a story about uh, a child welfare worker who is a bit of a punk. He's a bit of a repscallion. But he loves children and he, he loves his job even though he thinks he's not suited to it because he's kind of a punk. He's he's incredibly impulsive kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But he's got a good heart. And so when uh, a child of a, a recent murder victim comes to him and asks him for help, he kind of just agrees on blind impulse. Um, and the child tells him that uh, his father's murderer uh, hid his father's head, dismembered his father and hid the head. And he feels like he can't move on without finding the head of his father, right? So he asks this uh, impulsive child welfare uh, worker to talk to the, the killer and maybe game out uh, where the head is. And he, the, at first he's like, well, I don't know if I'm right for that. That seems like pretty fucked up. And then the kid goes, well, I've been writing the serial killer letters under your name, so <laughs> I think you're kind of you're locked in here, Brent. And he goes, bro, bro what the fuck? <laughs> okay, I guess I'll go then, all right. That, uh, that turned dark quick. <laughs> yeah, what a setup. So he goes to meet the serial killer Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't really have a plan. Like I said, he's he's really kind of a, just an impulsive punk. Uh, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. He meets the serial killer. And uh, first notable thing is the serial killer is a woman. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, this really, like, kind of rocks him right off the bat. Like a Black Widow type? No, no. Like a uh, killer clown. Okay. Yeah, another zag. I'm loving this. Oh, she's uh, she she is portrayed uh, in the uh, leading up to this. Uh, she is portrayed basically as Gacy. Like she looks almost identical to Gacy, except worse teeth. Her teeth are all fucked up. Um, but when she comes out, she is like pretty. She still has really fucked up teeth, but it like it catches him like way off guard. She doesn't look like what he pictured her to look like, right? And that rocks him a little bit. Uh-huh. And it rocks him so much that when she like doesn't understand why he's there, it she kind of it kind of seems like maybe she doesn't believe him at first that he was writing the letters. So she's kind of like, "What what are we even doing here?" And mm -hmm. she starts to leave and he panics and he just he panics really hard and he just blurts out, "Let's get married." <laughs> he proposes on the spot in the fucking prison death row uh little window booth and uh as you imagine you could imagine that it catches her attention thus beginning a very bizarre back and forth sort of psychological thriller relationship between the two of them and th that's all chapter one by the way this is, i'm not talking spoilers here this is all like this is the front-loaded shit Mm -hmm. uh, it goes in absolutely wild directions at every fucking turn. And you, the assumption here, and I should clear up because I know what that sounds like. I know the assumption when you hear that premise is like, oh, great. We're good. We're doing a, a, a Hannibal Lecter rom-com. You mm -hmm. know, it's like it is not that she she is a very strange, interesting character. But she is not like she is not a Hannibal. You know, she's not like she's she is playing games um but she is also vulnerable and mysterious and he is also playing games obviously he's trying to hide his intentions to get the head 
and help this child. But he is also like, like I said, impulsive kind of punk. An Onizuka type, would you say? Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. He's a better written character than Onizuka for sure. <laughs> um, and he's a better guy, but it's very interesting because he's not, it's not like, oh, I'm being manipulated and, and like mentally dominated by this like serial killer behind a glass wall. It's more like he has a lot of confusing uh, and conflicting emotions inside of him. And when he interacts with her, he's kind of like uh, interacting with a person who is unique in that she can like bounce those emotions back onto him in a way that he's never been able to process before. So he's having this like incredible journey of self-discovery, horrifying self-discovery. Not always a self-discovery, by the way, is not always a good thing. Uh, I, sometimes I you to, find out some stuff about you. yourself that you don't want to know. Yeah, sometimes it's better not to discover. You know, maybe don't flip all the rocks over. I, I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know you. Okay, sometimes self-denial is absolutely a good thing. People. People. Hey, you know, sometimes you never know when it's raining, you want a coat on, you know what I mean? But she is also like, so we have that aspect where he's a really interesting, complex character. And he's kind of like using this scenario to like dig inside of himself and find out very strange things about his own feelings. And But she is also, while maintaining a really interesting mystery and uh, a kind of enigmatic uh, personality. We don't like dive into her uh, like we do with the other characters, but she is also accessible enough that we understand that she is like a 3D character. She is, uh, she has dimensions to her, even the little bit that we get exposed to that make her way more interesting than your your uh, standard uh, serial killer in a box trope, you know? Sure. Uh, there's, there's a million of, of fake Hannibals out there, right? I, I, don't, I can't even imagine how many USA uh, television shows star uh, a famous British actor who sits in a glass box and taunts a detective. Uh, this, is, this is not that. This oh. is really, really smartly written. The art is just absolutely killer. It's better than the shit you're you're reading right now, I promise you. It's it's about adults, which is just so uh you know, I've been reading a lot of manga. A lot of manga is not about adults, so it's very very refreshing. I kind of give uh, any series that's about adults just like points right off the bat for that. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons uh, that I really liked uh, Hell's Paradise so much, right? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, last uh, time. We, you know, it's about a wife guy, which is cool. Someone who just genuinely cares about their romantic partner. But it's also just like, there's no little kid shit, really. Uh, I think there's like one of the uh, Yamada Asaiman characters who's like, his whole thing is that he's a little kid genius. But other than that, everybody's an adult. Yeah, it's a story about adults doing regular shonen stuff but at least they're they're adults doing it and that yeah. you know just for novelty value alone I, I i really appreciate that so yeah that is a series that is uh incredibly unique and it's really really well written and it's also a a, a series that uses the format in really really smart ways i mean there's writing in that there's the story and the narrative the plot the subtext the text itself uh, and then there's writing that's uh, blocking a scene, framing the panels, that kind of thing, cr creating the visual flow. And we don't always talk so much about that aspect, even though it's such a big part of comics. Mm -hmm. But this is a comic 
that knows how to use those things, not just in a beautiful, uh, intelligent way, but in a way that complements and deepens the narrative itself, which is like, that's chef's kiss. That's what you want. Well, I, I, I like that you bring that up shit. because that's really refreshing to hear. Yeah, it is genius because I think that a lot of manga has this issue of more or less the pages are just storyboard pitches for the eventual an eventual anime that they want to have made. And so it yeah. becomes very flat. I, I think like probably the distillation of that whole concept is the four coma format where it's just four square panels arranged in a square pattern. Yeah. Well, the, the newspaper comic. Yeah. The newspaper comic. Um, but even beyond that, a lot of shonen manga, a lot of action manga does not utilize page flow in a particularly pleasing way to look at for me a lot well i will say times. i will say it's very uneven it's not like it it's not done in manga there's mm -hmm. a, manga has a pretty healthy uh, artistic tradition of, of using panels in interesting ways um but it, it's very very uneven you know there is there is not as much ambition in a lot of standard comics as you might see in the more uh, current like American comic scene, I think, but that also has a lot to do with the publishing schedule, right? Sure. I mean, these things come out at a faster rate, at a frantic rate, and and I think that has a lot to do with not becoming overly ambitious with your paneling and whatnot. Well, yeah, I think there's many a web comic artist out there that realize that uh, sometimes uh, form has to take a backseat to efficiency. Let's say. Well, you know, that's true, but but at the same time, the web comic gave us the the manhwa, the vertical webtoon, and the vertical webtoon is like one of the freshest and most interesting uses of quote unquote paneling that I think we've seen a across comics across the world you know it, it is so unique and fresh the way that they use the vertical style it's almost anti-paneling which i think is really interesting at some point i want to talk about more about manhwa because that vertical webtoon shit has so many interesting ideas at play there's one i'm reading called helper with two L's that I, I uh, this okay. comic that I, that I really like that uses this exact idea of freeing itself from panels in really, really cool ways. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Natsume Arata, uh, is getting married. Holy shit. That shit is good. So, so good. Get in on this. Cause it's only a f less than 30 chapters in, I think maybe, maybe 27, 28, something Ooh, like that. Ooh, a fresh one. Uh, so it's, still fresh you could still get in there and uh suffer like me waiting a week to a month between chapters this is this is good good shit uh yeah um those are the two big ones that i've read uh besides 20th century boys i also watched uh eat a 10 deities because i was up on my my map of shit because of hell's paradise and it turns out that one's also based on a comic and i'm gonna read the comic for that um, but there's 11 episodes of this. It's on Crunchyroll. This is a pretty weird one. It's like MAPPA. And not because it is based on a comic, not necessarily so much, but it is MAPPA's version of a trigger show. Okay. Um, yeah. Which Ooh, I was what? So they're like playing a little bit more fast and loose? Like, playing more fast mean? and loose. A, a lot of like a lot uh, more goofier kind of uh, Looney Tunes ish uh, style 
um, animation with the action. There's lots of like much more flat, but also more interesting and dynamic color palettes going on, thick outlines, just like way looser with the way that it frames things and pushes action from scene to scene. Okay. Uh, it really is a, a trick, kind of an attempt to trigger. The, and also the the combination of uh, very, like, occasionally very gruesome and uh, almost edgelord shit with, like, a much goofier cartoony style. Well, also, I'm, I'm looking I'm like, at some, some images. I pulled it up here. I see what you mean about yeah. the style. I feel like maybe you could have led with a, a fat titty warning. This is a big fat titty warning on this shit. Not so much in the anime, but in the comic for sure. Way worse in the comic. Uh, the thing is, I watched the first episode of this all the way back, uh, maybe in 2021 when it came out. Uh, and I turned it off immediately because the first episode uh, unfortunately ends on some incredibly egregious edgelord shit with uh, straight up uh, like uh, a nun uh, getting raped in a church. <laughs> <laughs> which is preceded uh, by complete goofy shonen nonsense. And then suddenly that. And um, uh, pick your pick your punches there, Mappa. Yeah, this is this is a, a series that really revels in just some seriously overt gross shit sometimes, uh, which is kind of a shame because like uh, once I returned to it now um, and, and gave it, uh, a chance to, you know, it's 11 episodes, so it's not a huge commitment, but but I burned through the episodes, and, like, 90% of it is, v like, very weird and interesting and fun to watch, and there's some interesting things happening beneath the skin there, too, um, in, in terms of, like, pushing away from the typical shounen structure and trying to strike out in a fresh and interesting direction. It definitely does that in a lot of spots, um, but it cannot resist being seriously fucking edgelord in a lot of unfortunate ways so uh not only is there a, a fat titty warning all over this show i i would also put uh straining against the boundaries of good taste warning i would say on this one uh it is f like fun to watch purely in an animation sense i think it is fantastic but uh, boy am i conflicted about everything else <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that I, is a, a big issue, I think, with art in general. <laughs> yes, I mean, there, there's a big conversation we could have, uh, not now, uh, maybe <laughs> when we like read a few more books and become smart uh, yeah. about the role that taste and good taste and, and uh, that kind of thing plays in art and uh, what, what our sensibilities should be and our, our tolerances for that kind of thing. But man, this would be a hard one to talk about in those terms because some stuff that happens like midway through the show is like some jaw dropping like you did not you did not do that please tell me you did not do that type shit uh i, I won't get into it but but yeah that that was the big thing i watched all right that uh, really threw me for a loop and um i know you watched magical destroyers um so we could talk about that because i also watched a couple episodes of that uh can i tell you real quick about some of the stuff that i uh, have been watching and reading please please do what have you been watching and reading well first uh i'll go real quick i watched the first episode of bochi the rock uh all yes, the rage yes. right now more guitar anime yeah well you know uh in the style of lucky star and k on people love those uh high school girl bands it's just uh, irresistible to the masses yes yes but not as gay as given uh no 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 um <laughs> 
you know, it is, I liked the concept um, because it is uh, about Hitomi, later nicknamed Bochi, who is a socially anxious uh, high start. She starts off in middle school, uh, doesn't have any friends. And at some point she decides that she is going to make friends by learning to play guitar because she sees a band that she likes on TV. And one of the members says like, oh, when I was in school, I was the guy who pretended to read and didn't talk to anybody at the back of class. And she's like, oh, that's just like me. And so I'm going to be in a band (laughs) just like me for real. And then, uh, you know, she her dad, I guess, had a, a guitar. He plays a little bit. Uh, they establish and she's like dad can I use your guitar and then it does a hard cut to three years later and she is a first year in high school and she doesn't have any friends she still does not have any friends <laughs> yeah that's see that's what I like because uh, <laughs> the people that got really good at guitar uh, are not the people who ended up with a lot of friends <laughs> no no uh, they established she even says as soon as the, we cut back you know it's it's been three years and all I've done is stay inside and play guitar and not talk to anybody yep yep uh which is something i i thought you might find relatable uh yeah yeah (laughs) uh but um we do kind of a backfill where she explains that in those three years she's basically just been practicing six hours a day and then also recording uh covers of popular songs on the radio and uploading them to her soundcloud and she actually has a, a fairly large following on SoundCloud or whatever the fake SoundCloud uh, they're they're substituting in the series was. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they called it like Garage Sound or something cool. like that. Uh, but she has like thirty thousand followers or something. Uh, so she's like semi-internet famous, but uh, still can't like interact with real people until uh, you know uh, we have a. A, a situation of convenience uh, where she runs into just a random girl who notices that she has a guitar case and says, hey, I'm in a band. Our guitar player just split on us. Can you fill in for them, please? You know, that thing that happens all the time. Yes. <laughs> imagine <laughs> imagine thinking that like somebody who plays in a band wouldn't know 800 guitarists who are desperate to join a band. This is one of those things that drives me crazy about music fiction. Well, I mean, I, I should have said it's another high school girl. Uh, it's not. It's not like a a, a band band. No, I I I I know. I, I get it. <laughs> okay, I get it. All right. I'm just saying. Uh, if you had chosen drummer or bassist or f- flautist, mm-hmm. maybe it would be more believable. But literally everyone plays guitar. <laughs> it is it is the worst instrument to play if you are trying to get picked up because you have the most competition. There is a million fucking hungry-ass guitarists who are, like, desperate to play in these bands, and uh, that's never really taken into account. I know that that's just stupid nitpick. I'm sorry. It's, it pisses me off. Well, no, actually, like, I think it would have been very funny if uh, if the series was actually about, like, a, a 28-year-old uh, dropout who keeps getting uh, left behind by better musicians gets picked up to play in this high school girl band. That would be great. Yeah, that would have been very funny. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, I'm sure the people that wrote this were probably also musicians 
games and they probably played in bands so i don't understand where this idea comes from but but anyway i'm sorry sorry go ahead uh, and so anyway they you know the she's the drummer this girl that she runs into she's like i'm a drummer in a band uh, our guitar players split please fill in for them we're playing at a club tonight you know skip forward she gets the set list that they're playing she's like oh i can i can play all this stuff real easily i actually feel real good about this this is gonna be awesome and then you know they try and do a rehearsal run and she sucks like she's just absolutely awful because it turns out uh even though she knows how to technically play guitar very well she's never played with other musicians before yes much more realistic yeah that is that is a much more realistic turn and then you know that kind of sets off her social anxiety and she has a panic attack you know i can't do this like i'm so sorry i wasted your time and then they're like oh no worries we actually have a solution and then you know they they play the show and bochi plays from inside of a cardboard box uh, so she doesn't have to look at the audience (laughs) great great Great. I'm not sure how that solves the playing with other people part, but okay. I think it's because they don't really explain it. They kind of gloss over that, but I think it's because she wasn't, she was messing up during the rehearsal because she, you know, was looking at the other band members and was getting confused by their, their visual cues, unable to sync up with them. But when it's just her listening to the music from inside the cardboard box, it's much easier for her to to kind of go with the rhythm. Uh, okay, well, I take back what I said before. That is not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to go from playing by yourself to playing with other people, not because of, like, the social anxiety, though that is a big problem. It's that, like, locking in with human beings and not, like, pre-recorded music is very difficult because there's, like, a physicality to it, and you have to be able to listen to people in a way that you can't listen to a recording. It's it's very difficult. It's like an organic process that's, like, hard to do. It, I, I don't know if they address that. Do they, they don't talk about that part of it at all? Uh, no, they do. They actually, they do a whole, like, uh, you know, record scratch, pause the show to have a, a cartoon mascot come in and explain why uh, playing by yourself versus playing with other people is difficult. Oh, so they just, they got me. They yeah. fucking got me. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll take my lumps. Uh, anyway, I thought, you know, there were some laughs. Um, it, it was not as uh, banal as I thought it was going to be just based off of the premise. And uh, I actually, I might uh, watch a little more. All right, all right. What about the what about the song? Uh, oh uh, no, they do the anime thing where they just skip over the song. They don't play the song. Uh, no, or at least they don't have a song with lyrics. It's just kind of your general. I don't know. Uh, what do you want to call it? Like Oasis light, you know, guitar chord strumming. Like uh, like kind of like like a dream indie rock kind of feel. Yeah, like a dreamy uh, you know, proto British rock kind of thing huh weird yeah um i i know that they go in to the songs later in the series i've seen i've seen clips where you know everyone's surprised at how well she shreds uh that's kind of like a big reveal moment at some point in the yeah. series when i was interested i mean when i was introduced to the show at least the concept of the show is because people posted uh a clip of her like playing the intro to one of the songs so i thought that was like a big I mean, maybe it is, but again, I've only watched the first episode, so uh, they do not go super deep into the song in the first episode. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, The the 10 seconds I listened to sounded great. 
uh, her playing alone. <laughs> but it really was just like a, a ten second little riff. I, I didn't actually. Yeah, well, the they do. They, you know, there's a bit where uh, they're establishing that she has like an internet following, and you know the the cut in is her and she plays inside of her closet, uh, and yeah. she's like recording herself doing this. Uh, you know, uh, solo up and down the neck. And so they do that. Yeah. She's hitting riffs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I, I'm I'm interested in it. I, I tend to avoid music shows because uh, they make me very angry. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know, but, I know, uh, especially I, after I had you watch Beck that one time. I know. Well, I think Beck has its own problems uh, <laughs> outside of the music part of it. But uh, but I, I do, I do want to check this out. It looked funny. I What I was... What what changed my mind about it was that I saw people talking about how it does a lot of uh, fun outside of music referential stuff that I thought looked interesting and cool. A lot of like inter anime jokes and things like that that I was like, okay, yeah, you that's know, also what I've heard a... about it. Uh, they I didn't catch too much in the first episode, but I heard you know I have heard that, and that's also is uh, what put it on my radar a little bit. I like that self referential stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I I'm gonna check it out. Uh, it looks it looks cute. It looks cute, fine. And you know what? Hey, uh, if there's some like dope ass fucking uh, riffs to learn from, uh, then hell yeah, I'll learn those riffs. Do it. Learn the riffs. Fuck yeah. Uh, All right. uh, Real quick, uh, I want to tell you about this manga that I read a couple chapters of, and then we can take a break. Uh, It is called You and I Are Polar Opposites. And as you know, uh, I've made it no secret on this show that I have a taste for uh, absolute trash rom-com manga. Uh, I I can't hide that uh, from the audience. You, my best friends. Uh, It's in my blood. Yeah, yeah. We should really do a, a, a compare and contrast at some point because I've got a bunch of real trash ones uh, for you. <laughs> I've got a big old pile of super trash that you could just absolutely like dive into and roll well, around in. That's the surprising part because I, I went into this thinking that it was going to be in the same vein and it turns out that this was actually not trash. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, it is actually a very cute and funny premise. Uh, you know, I think it's probably i want to say 27 or 28 chapters in right now so real fresh coming right off the ink blocks there all right all right all right who who are we working with man and woman yeah man and woman the the pro tag is is the girl always a good sign and what we have is kind of the uh the classic you know hot and cold uh relationship okay so we have the the main girl who is your like super super preppy high energy you know uh, run out the door with toast in your mouth kind of kind of type right uh, you know what I'm talking about yeah of course the wacky girl the standard yeah and and sh- the male counterpart is the you know kind of uh, straight laced uh, hair comb nerdy uh, super serious type. And so the the series is kind of like, it starts off as like, oh, uh, she has a crush on this guy, even though there isn't like anything outwardly appealing about him. He just seems like a super boring, you know, it's kind of super serious, super studious kind of guy. Okay. A lot of one, lot of one word responses. Oh, great. And it's like, okay, what is this like? The author trying to like insert himself and like, oh, this is the kind of girl that... I would have wanted aggressively courting me in high school, right? Yeah. Uh, but then at some point, it just takes a 
it, it takes these character personality types and ratchets them up to 11. How so? And she becomes uh, much more of like a manic, uh, overdriven uh, kind of personality. Think like Haruko from Fooly Cooly. Okay. And and he does the opposite. He becomes almost like just a paper cutout of a character. And so it ends up being these really like a series of, of just funny situations. First of all, they, they agree to date in the first chapter. So off to a good start. They're they're getting that out, you know, right out the bat. Um, gotcha. She the first chapter is spent entirely with her like agonizing how she's going to ask this guy out. And establishing that, like, you know, they have this kind of relationship where she's always humorously bringing him into conversations that he would, you know, know nothing about. You know, like, she's talking about mascara with her girlfriends, and she'll just, like, oh, oh hey, what do you think about mascara? And then he'll have some, like, super milquetoast answer, like, like, I don't wear mascara. Stuff like that. Sure, sure, okay. And then at the end of the chapter, she asks him to walk home with her. And and out of nowhere, he grabs her hand, which is the universal sign of, of now we're dating in, in manga. Naturally. But then from chapter two onward, uh, like I said, these personalities just keep getting uh, pushed farther and farther to what the logical conclusion of them is. And so she becomes like, uh, you know, super manic off the wall type. And and he becomes like a nothing person. And it's like uh, almost a Mr. Bean quality where she is dragging this uh, crash test dummy of a person around through this relationship. (laughs) Okay. And is that and that's the joke? That's the joke of the series. Okay. Okay. Uh, And like I said, it becomes basically Mr. Bean at that point uh, devolving into a series of slapstick situations where he has like no reaction to the fantastical things going on around him. Does uh does he ever get a turkey stuck on his head? <laughs> Not yet. Damn. Damn. Oh, they'll get there though. They'll get there. But anyway, it's still real early in its run. Um I'm liking the bits so far. Uh and uh, I would definitely say uh, check it out. It's called You and I are Polar Opposites. Okay. Does does it are, are there moments of like actual romance or is it all gag? Uh, no, no, it, uh, you know, it, it does not shy from, from leaning into the saccharin from time to time. So there is like, occasionally they do revert to like, like real characters. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. You know, well, that's good. I, I, I just, uh, I, I fight it hard to deal with the pure gag ones. I kind of like it when, you know, they, they get a little bit at least of uh, sincerity every once in a while to like ground the other stuff in something yeah well i mean obviously having uh having a platform for the series to uh propel off of is is important yeah you need a little bit of leverage yeah (laughs) okay that sounds cool that sounds cool well i'll make sure the next one you read is total trash yo yeah please send it my way yeah don't worry about that i've got a great one about pissing yourself (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> you're going to really like that one. I can't fucking wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, let's take a break, and then you, you can tell me about uh, your wonderful trip. How's that sound? All right, sounds good.
Guys, well, I told you earlier, uh, you know, while I was sitting on my ass uh, giving myself more brain damage, uh, Nate decided to have the time of his life traveling all the way overseas to the beautiful islands uh, where all this shit is uh, uh, created, generated, spawned. I would say spawned. Inflicted on us from... (laughs) Yeah, you got to fly into Japan. Where were you? you were there for like two weeks, right? Yeah, I was there for 11 days. Uh, I was on my honeymoon um, for my wedding that took place in 2019. Uh, <laughs> uh, for for some reason, uh, Japan was not letting in other people for the last few years. That was crazy. I bet at first you thought it was just you, but then you yeah. read the news. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, I had to do a little research. Turns out it was not uh, it was not just me. Uh, yeah. Although my name came up quite a bit, yeah. And what w- and what was your objective? I mean, what were you? I mean, I mean, what were you looking to get out of this experience? Well, you know, uh, uh, I wanted to uh, see the Holy Land, visit Mecca, if you will. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I I have returned to you, a changed man. I've become enlightened, mostly to the fact that their bathrooms are just so much better uh, in every aspect than ours. Uh, It's not just a rumor, folks. It's really true. Uh, You you can't go back. (laughs) I will say that is the one thing I think they have over over Parisians is the bathroom situation. Uh, I love Paris. Uh, They are uh, still stuck in the medieval ages when it comes to bathrooms. (laughs) So I'm, I'm sorry, my my lovely French friends, but uh, you, you gotta work on that shit. Come on. They still have the holes going down the outside of the castle. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not good. The situation is not good. I'm glad you had a much better time uh, spending all your time in the bathroom in Japan. And now all those night soil collectors can't retire till they're 70. Oh, yeah, I know. It's such a... Don't worry, they'll burn enough cars to get out of it. Uh, no, my uh, my main purpose, I would actually say, was uh, to eat the food. You know, I'm a I'm a big foodie guy. Uh, I like it. I love it. I love Japanese food. I have for a long time, and uh, I really got to to experience uh, the real shit. Get that food in you. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I got the ramen game uh, up and down. Man, oh, hell first yeah. of all, hell yeah. Uh, instant noodles. There, you know, uh, we cannot compare this this cup noodle shit is fucking dirt our cup noodle game is weak just saying uh for all those people out there if if you find yourself in in japan in nihon check out the the convenience stores because the the ramen is tight well i will say where if you are in any foreign country check out those convenience stores because man we are really lagging i mean in world in world rankings our convenience stores are just dropping off the map uh, but it's specifically in Japan. I'm sure it's pretty intense. Well, you know, I was already disappointed every time I walked into an American 7-Eleven. Now I'm resentful. <laughs> I will say I, I did eat many an instant noodle bowl. Uh, and, and man, they were good. You know, they got, uh, they got that tonkatsu uh, instant noodle, uh, which you cannot find really anywhere over here uh, and nowhere near the quality. Um well, the Seven Eleven specifically has their own uh, proprietary series of deluxe noodle bowls, and the best one is the Black Edition. It comes with a little packet of lemon oil. Damn, that sounds good. Fuck. 
It's good. It wasn't just instant stuff. I I went to some actual real Naruto ass uh, ramen stands. Hell yeah, with the little the little flaps. Yep, with the little drapes. They had a big dragon statue on top. Cool. Uh, at my favorite one, uh, Kinryu uh, Chinese noodles in Osaka, Dotenbori area. That's the shit, man. Hell yeah, dude. They got the uh, they got the tonkatsu broth. And they just have like, so like first you go up and it's super easy. You, uh, there's a vending machine. You uh, select which noodle bowl you want. It gives you a ticket. And then you give it to the guy at the counter uh, and he gives you the noodles and you just stand there at the counter uh, and eat them. No fucking chairs. Wait, there's a vending machine? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for tickets. For me, uh, you know, instead of ordering like with someone or like on a touch screen, it just like you press the the vending machine button for the noodles you want and it gives you a little ticket. So basically they make it as easy as possible to be antisocial. Yeah. And I love it. That's pretty good. Who who wouldn't love that? That's good shit. The best part is that uh, there's only uh, two garnishes. They just have giant bowls of raw chopped garlic and kimchi available. And you can just dump as much as you want in your bowl, and it's enlightening. You know, uh, I I have submitted myself to the four ramen gods of Tokyo. That's awesome. What about the other pillar of uh, Japanese cuisine? You are, in fact, talking about sushi? I am, in fact, talking about sushi. Oh, I ate some sushi. You get some good sushi? You get that yeah, fresh Yeah, so uh, a sushi restaurant that specializes in squid sashimi. Uh, which is something I'd never had before. Wow. Maybe not something that I will have again willingly, uh, but uh, it was definitely an interesting experience. <laughs> did they do that thing where they uh, they like make it wriggle? Oh around? yeah, they did. They did do that. They did the thing. Oh my god! And you still ate it after yep. that, huh? Yep. You brave, know, I brave, got brave man. We got some of the chopped up tentacles, and and when you pour the soy sauce over them, they wriggle around. And we got some of the, uh, I guess you would call it the tube, the head of the squid. Uh, and that was much more thick and um, almost had like a jelly-like texture. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it was not my favorite, oh, but no. it was very funny when the sushi chef, uh, because we had to wait a while to get that order in because they wait for like several tables to all order the same thing. And then they get a squid fresh out of the tank and cut it up for everybody. Wow. Uh, and so and so he came around with this live squid in his arms and was like, oh, hey, uh, this is the part that I'm going to be cutting for you guys. That is, uh, that's pretty wild. That's yeah, pretty it, wild. it borders on, on cruel. If you think about it, it's uh, <laughs> showing off your kill. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa. Is that the Steakhouse Simpsons episode where they have the... <laughs> yeah, it's basically that. They bring out the... <laughs> 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 oh no uh what else um no, ju no judgment as a free appetizer they gave us uh sea snails still in the shell well that is a french thing there i have not had snails before but uh i can i can say with confidence that it would have been better with garlic butter i would that's what i was gonna say is um uh once you put enough butter and garlic on something it, it basically could be anything no these were simmered in the shell in uh kind of like a soy sauce uh, kind of broth, like a shoyu broth, uh -huh. and so they were very, you know, soy heavy, uh, a little sweet, but very rubbery. Uh, was not a fan of the texture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, uh, I ate the sushi and I ate the ramen. You ate the ramen, you ate the squid. And uh, d- did you get the various ridiculous candies and whatnot? Snack foods and candies. Oh, and sure. I got the long spiral potato. We saw people with the. Uh, Hell yeah. You know, the giant uh, rainbow colored uh, cotton candy, which is Love a lot it. of sugar. You know, uh, first of all, that is one thing I'm going to say. Uh, I discovered that there is a very strange relationship in Japanese cuisine between between cheese and sugar. Cheese is almost always in some kind of like sugar coated context, I've found. Oh, hell yeah. You know, uh, (laughs) there was a lot of those like Korean style uh, corn dog places. And specifically in Harajuku, there was one that had like the rainbow cheese stick and then you deep fry it. Sure. Uh, But then beyond that, they also rolled it in cinnamon sugar. Dope. I love that. Yeah. You like you like uh, mixing your cheese and sweets. I'm so. Hey. Uh, what's more American than uh, cheese slice on an apple pie? Come on. Well, yeah, it's funny you bring Everybody that up that because uh, in Osaka, one of the popular uh, um, street foods that we saw was uh, these waffles pressed in the shape of 10 yen coins, and they were filled with mozzarella cheese. And like you could get like syrup and stuff to put on them. Wow, that's pretty yeah. wild. Uh, you know, that it's funny because I, I really should have made you do some homework on this end in particular, because there is a, a very, not great, but uh, a manga that I really, really like and in the anime called Dagashi Kashi. That is essentially a series of short snack ads. Every episode is about a snack, you know, um, your little bottle candies, your, your potato sticks, whatnot. And, and there's a little cute like rom-com wrapped mm-hmm. around it. But they're all basically just introductions to like basic uh, various Dagashi, right? That's what they call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Should have had you watched a few of those and then picked out some, because uh, I really would have loved the tactile experience. That'll that's something I'll do for myself if I ever make it over. I'll maybe I'll uh, I'll do a nice little ranking list sure, or something. Sure, sure. Well, that's fun. Yeah, uh, I got the takoyaki, those uh, wonderful little octopus balls. Naturally, yeah. Naturally. I got the uh, okonomiyaki, which is like the noodle pancake uh, that they do in Osaka. Okay, that was uh, top tier. You know, uh, I I feel like I got the experience, you know, I got that wiggly cheesecake and let me tell you it wiggles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Does it taste like cheesecake? Uh, it's more like a souffle. Uh, I mean, it does taste like cheesecake, but it does not, it's not like a creamy, like American style cheesecake texture. It's, it's much more of like a light airy souffle texture. Mm, Uh, real interesting. That's, that's pretty good shit. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of anime hijinks did you get up to? That's what I'm really interested in. Uh, well, you know... Um, did you put on a sailor suit? I did not put on a sailor suit. Ah, oh, damn it. Um, I got solicited by by many uh, women in maid ca- outfits when we were in Akihabara. Did you go to a maid cafe? You did, no. Did you resist? <laughs> I, I resisted. It's, um, it's weird. It is weird. I've always found it kind of creepy. You know, uh, same, like, uh, I was staying when we were in Osaka, uh, we were in the Dotenbori area, and across the river from there is kind of like the the nightclub district, I guess you'd call it. A lot of bars, a lot of nightclubs, and a lot of, like, bunny girl and maid bars. There are bunny girl bars? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Several that I walked past. Repeatedly. I guess I, I, I didn't, <laughs> over, over and over again, backwards and forwards. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize there were dedicated bunny girl 
things. I thought that was just more of like a general host club kind of thing. Well, the, it is. The, you know, they're all host clubs, but they have different themes. You know, so you have your maid sure, host sure. club, you have your bunny girl host club, uh, the cat girl one, obviously. Obviously. Any cool, like, funny ones? Was there any, like, ironic-themed <laughs> host uh, clubs? Like, yeah, there was uh, the... there. Okay, so there was the butler one, but the butlers were all uh, ladies in drag. Okay, I've, that's kind of funny, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if I had gone to one, that's the one I would have felt safest at. <laughs> I think I would have... That I mean, that's kind of more what I'm more interested in, maybe because uh, I'm just looking for something that's... Uh, kind of weirder and funnier but uh i was thinking more like hey, are there any like uh are there any like uh texas chainsaw themed <laughs> oh well clubs? uh so uh, there's this area in shinjuku uh by where we were staying called golden guy which is kind of like uh that's like the famous uh, strip of all the tiny little izakayas like the you know the food stalls and bars packed together like super right. close and so you can only fit like six people in one. Um, and there is a bar there that is entirely themed, um, subtly so, I will say, uh, around Suspiria. A Suspiria bar. Yeah, we went to the Suspiria bar and it's fucking kick ass. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Was it only Suspiria? No Arge no other Argento shit? They had some other Argento posters on the wall. Like it wasn't, okay, okay. but it was mostly Suspiria. So, you know, like the... Uh, you know, the floor had the uh, uh, pattern from the carpet in the school. You know, the window had kind of like a, a plastic sticker put over it to make it look like the stained glass window that okay. uh, that lady falls through at the beginning of Suspiria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. A lot of stuff like that. You know, uh, obviously they had a Suspiria poster. Uh, and they actually, they had uh, um, the signatures of uh, the band Goblin up on the wall. They had been there and signed the wall. Ah, uh, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it was that's really dope. dope. Yeah, yeah. You know, across from there, there was another uh, izakaya we went to called Deathmatch in Hell, uh, which was all themed around, uh, like, slasher movies and Japanese sci-fi movies. Hell yeah. For some reason, the bartender, super cool dude, but uh, I, I should have got his name because I've just been calling him Wayne-san because he, was dre <laughs> he dresses like Wayne from, from Wayne's World. You know, the Mike Myers character. That's his shtick? Yeah. And uh, now so I'm weird. wondering if that is like a convoluted reference to Mike Myers, the serial killer. That would be a long walk, I gotta say. But they have a Halloween mask uh, on display in the bar. Okay, yeah, but if he was wearing the mask, I could see it. I don't know. I don't know. That seems that seems. What if he was strange. wearing the mask, but he had, because he has the mullet in the Wayne's World hat. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. If he was wearing the mask under the mullet and hat, then I would be like, okay, I think I understand who you're coming from, man. That is very odd. Maybe he just dresses like that. Did you think about that? I, you know, I, I thought about it. I, I landed on like, you know, uh, maybe he's, I think that he's just genuinely into all this stuff and, and he leans into it both as a little bit of self-promotion, you know. It is one of the more prominent bars that comes up when you search for recommendations in uh, Shinjuku. Uh, that's why we went there. You know, we saw the pictures on Google and said that place looks kick-ass. <laughs> I mean, does sound kick-ass. Yeah. What, the hotel that I was staying at? Um, I got to meet Godzilla. Okay, okay. How is he doing? 
super cool dude very cool to fans very down to earth he's kind of has like a residency thing going on at this hotel it's called uh, hotel gracery shinjuku real cool place he just kind of hangs out there up on the roof he sticks his head out looks down at the people every once in a while gives a little roar and and you know you if you're staying at the hotel you can go out on the balcony hang out with them uh, ask him questions uh super super amicable uh really fun really nice to see him I saw I saw Godzilla once and I I went up to him and you know to uh, tell him how cool it was to like meet him in person but I didn't want to be like annoying or whatever and like ask for a photo and he was like oh like you're doing now <laughs> are you sure that wasn't Matthew uh, Broderick <laughs> I don't think so I was like huh and he he kind of got into my face he was like huh 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 and I so I I felt a little intimidated and I left but I'm glad you had a better experience. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no, it was fun. You know, uh, you went to Harajuku, saw that whole thing. Uh, a lot smaller than than you would believe. It's actually just kind of one one semi long street. It's not like a whole sure. district. Um, it, but, everything looks bigger. Everything looks bigger in anime. It's true. They they get the proportions <laughs> all wrong. Yeah, yeah. In a similar vein, got to meet Hello Kitty. You know, real cool person. Again, very, very gracious to the fans. Uh, got to see the Sanrio store. Oh, that's see, that's what I would I would really freak out over. Yeah, it's uh, still going strong over there. Still going strong. I I do need to confess that um, I am financially ruined though now. <laughs> I have I have lost all of my money on sexy horse girl gambling. <laughs> you bet it all and you lost. It's all gone. Oh no. So does you're you're bad at picking the sexy horse girls then. Huh? Yes, yes. I I I cannot stress how ubiquitous Uma Musume was over there. <laughs> explain explain the concept behind that. Uma Musume is uh the current hot new uh gachapon mobile game where you race and train and trade and collect sexy horse girls and and that is the surface level of what it is (laughs) if we want to get into it it is so much more sinister what's sinister about it i I, i'm coming from a a deep place of ignorance here so i i first of all you know when we were walking around nakano broadway harajuku uh, Akihabara, all the nerd places. This stuff was everywhere. This this show slash mobile game uh, slash internet phenomenon. You could not walk into a single uh, Gachapon arcade uh, or any arcade uh, without seeing uh, fucking Uma Musume horse girl racing. And the concept right, right. is you you know you collect horse girls in this game. Uh, who are based off of real life like racehorses that are famous in Japan, and and oh, yeah? you can race them like Sea Biscuit. Uh, no Sea Biscuit, not <sighs> yet, not yet. Uh, I I feel like you know Sea Biscuit is probably long dead in the in the canon of the show. <laughs> That's what makes it double S rank. And so you 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 know you pick your favorite horse girl and you race her and train her and you can unlock new costumes for her by playing the Gachapon mini game and obviously you can spend real money on on replays and chances to get better drops. All of the classic mobile gaming tactics are there, of course. And so obviously it's spun off into a uh, now three season anime. <laughs> 
And I just had to watch the first episode. And the weirdest thing that I discovered is that it is an isekai. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so a guy goes to the horse racing world? No, no. Uh, the concept is that when real life in our world, like famous racehorses die, they get reincarnated as, as horse girls in this universe. So, okay, well, here's, here's the big question that determines the fate of this entire Isekai project. Do the horses gain sentience by dying, or were they sentient the entire time? So far unexplained, but I'm a, it is implied that they gain sentience by reincarnation. So they don't have memories of their previous life? Uh, no. Okay, phew. That's, that makes me feel a little better, to be honest. And so the main character uh, uh, of the first season of the anime is is Special Week. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy's little horsey. <laughs> <laughs> well, these, again, they're all based off of real, like, life horses uh, yeah. that, that have raced in Japan. And, and all of the characters have names like these, except for the quote-unquote human characters. Uh, because horse girls are a, a literal different species. Now, are they centaurs or are they just people? They're they're just people. They have horse ears and they have horse tails. But other than okay. that, you know, they're just people. And here's the here's the last really big question. Do people ride them? No, no. They, it's more of like oh. a track and field competition. Okay, okay. Jeez, that, that kind of... <laughs> uh, but uh, they're, you know, so... Uh, the, the main girl is on a team of other horse girls uh, in, at a school for horse girls to learn how to race. Okay. And each team is assigned, like, a training coach. Uh, and the training coach very much does treat them like actual horses. He whips them and stuff? Uh, you know, he, like, uh, will randomly, like, grab their thighs, uh, stuff like that. Check their teeth? Yeah, check their teeth. Oh, God, that's awful. That's yeah. really bad. No, it's it's real gross, you know, and and the I guess the joke, the joke is that is that uh, he obviously comes off like a huge pervert. But then he's like, no, no, I was just being a coach, uh, which is incredibly insidious. The more you think about it. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, don't read any news about the Olympics, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that it's it's pretty clear that there are multiple things coming together to form kind of like a perfect storm of of capitalism around this series. Yeah, uh, it is tailor made, designed by AI to extract money from just the lowest of the low of society. So, yeah, yeah. So, did you win any money? Oh no, I lost it all. Oh shit! So you really are bad at picking them. Yeah, who was no, your awful. Who was your who was your favorite? Uh, well, her name was She's the Best. Wow! So <laughs> you really just got suckered for the oldest ploy in the game, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, do you have like ten, fifteen bucks I could borrow? Uh, I know this one's gonna be the the right one. Okay, listen, we have to we're gonna have to have a serious talk. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to put the phone down now. Uh, is that the uh, most anime thing you did? There's got to be another anime thing you did while you were over there. 
oh yeah i mean i don't know what do you consider anime you know i went to i went to arcades it's pretty anime pretty yeah anime. you know i played uh, i played the taiko drum machine quite a bit uh learning those anime theme songs ones i even heard of it's pretty anime i guess i yeah, went to karaoke yeah. karaoke's pretty anime yeah yeah I would love I would love to do f- legitimately unironically I would love to do the karaoke. I, I have always wanted to do that. Uh get a little booth, uh have drinks served. Oh god, I would love I did it. yeah, I would it's great. You know, I want to do that uh, so bad. Yeah, they had an ice cream bar at the place that we went to. Music selection? What what was it like? Uh you know, uh, a lot of a lot of anime themes, obviously. A lot of sure, Japanese sure. pop songs. Uh decent American selection even. To really cap off the irony, uh did a rendition of American Girl. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, American Woman? Uh did Couldn't not find search it on for there. it. Uh-huh. Uh, uh it did learn, did learn uh killers super popular over there almost the entire catalog i guess that kind of makes sense yeah kind of i i see that for sure for sure i got in my my jojo reference did uh roundabout oh yeah oh yeah okay all right that's cool so yeah no uh, i would say that's pretty anime i mean uh, where would you say that ranks on an anime scale going to karaoke going to karaoke and singing anime songs is is pretty anime that's pretty anime I'll give that uh, seven out of ten animes. Okay, I think, uh, playing I think. playing the Taiko machine at an arcade in Akihabara. That's pretty anime. That's 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 like six out of ten maybe because you can do that even in the arcades here. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taiko obviously bumps it up, but still, you know. I mean, if you had like a if you had like a cosplay session in Akihabara, then that that would be ten out of ten anime. Didn't get around to it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, one of the shops that we spent the most time at uh, in Akihabara, or not Akihabara, in Harajuku, uh, was a shop specifically about importing vintage American clothes. Yes, I think that is that is the least anime <laughs> you think you did. Uh, <laughs> wow. You did you did an imperialism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's the one thing that I said I wouldn't do. Uh, you promised when you went through customs. <laughs> <laughs> it says it in your passport. It says no imperialism. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I mean, that sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot. It sounds like you packed a lot of fairly anime into your, your anime trip. Uh, uh, I, you know, I could have gone more. I'll, I'll admit I could have gone more anime, but there were yeah. other people to consider. Sure, sure, I get that. I mean, you could have at least purchased an anime. Did you did that, did that occur to you at any point? Uh, no, because I'd rather just steal it. <laughs> See, that's maybe this is why you, your anime uh, ranking <laughs> is lacking a little bit. <laughs> oh man! Uh, wow. Is there anything else uh, notable you want to talk about? You know, I will say uh, real quick, went to uh, Tokyo Disneyland, zero Kingdom Hearts stuff, zero anime. They take it very seriously. Wow. Uh, no anime inside the gates. They're like, anime is banned here. This is this is American soil by <laughs> by all rights. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny you make that joke because I learned that Tokyo Disneyland isn't actually owned by the Disney company. Uh, it's licensing all the stuff. Uh, but it's owned by a Japanese company and run by them. Uh, hey, you know, you know what? Mickey Mouse 
prints money no matter where you are. So I, I guess they're probably, you probably are doing fine. Wow. Well, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot. We talked a lot of oh, anime. Oh, this time. got a, uh, I went to a shrine uh, and a castle. Oh, shit. Well, that's the most anime out of everything. I went to a shrine that was shaped like a giant dragon's head. And did you do the did you do the Shinto thing? Oh yeah, I washed my hands. You know, we got uh, we got our fortunes, uh, hung them up on a tree. Did you do the little claps? Oh, I did the claps. You put a you put a little coin in the box. I did. Damn, that's yeah. anime as fuck. That's you, 10 you out do of 10 the little anime. clap. You know, they uh, you do the little clap. You put the coin in the box, and they give you your fortune. Uh, uh, I don't know what it said, but I'm assuming it said I had the best luck. <laughs> In seven days. <laughs> well, you uh, said and that. then, and then you you tie your fortune to a rope on the tree, and then at the end of the year they burn it. Cool, cool. Well, I, you should have said that first because that's clearly the most anime thing you did. Uh, it's true. It's true. Well, wow. That's that's a hell of a lot of anime talk. We talked about anime. We talked about anime type things. We talked about non-anime, but anime adjacent things. Uh, I think it's been the most anime episode so far. Yeah. I mean, I hope we didn't overwhelm you with actual anime on this anime podcast. Uh, but you God know what? Uh, we've got... I've got a couple things, you know, for the next time, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about some of the new big stuff coming out. You know, um, I finally went and watched uh, the first couple episodes of the Oshinoko anime by our good friend Aka Akasaka, who did Kaguya-sama. Um, oh, there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, I'd love to talk about that. You know, Dangers in My Heart also premiered. I'd love to talk about that, too, because that's one of my favorite uh, running rom-coms right now. Speaking of all these rom-coms, I think we should definitely talk about that next time. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll have finished uh, 20th Century Boys by then. I'd love to talk about that. Anything you got in the works for next time, maybe? Um. Well, you know, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into Bochi the Rock. Uh, I I liked the first episode enough to keep uh, watching it. Might give an update on that. Um, uh, I'll probably uh, get my teeth into some more trashy rom-com anime at some point. You know, that's it's almost a given. By next time, you better have watched another one of these fucking isekais I gave you, because I'm not letting you off the hook just because you okay, watched this. Okay, all right. You know, what's, you know what's out now is the uh, uh, my unique cheat code that gives me an advantage in another world. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's out now. That was on the list. I'll give that a watch. Okay, good. You gotta get, we got to get through those, too. So all right. <laughs> keep them coming. Keep them coming. Okay. All right. I'll All put right. in thank my lumps. Yeah. Get, take your lumps, buddy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hanging out on the couch, you guys. Thank you, my best friends, our best friends and listeners. Thank yes, you so uh, much. Yes, it was so good to see you and to be with you. And to talk about anime with you. I thought all your opinions on the stuff we talked about were really great this week. You've got a lot of really interesting things to say. Yeah, uh, we love it. I can't it. wait... Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear uh, what else you say next week. I'll be waiting with bated breath. <laughs> uh, until next time you guys bye bye ah Gatorade was a bad choice mm. alright